Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Little little bit of a full start for me there. We, we won't talk about it though. <laughs> Liam, how you doing this evening? I wouldn't have mentioned it if you didn't, Rich, but I did have a little chuckle to myself. There. I obviously can't um, can't count from three to one, so uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a good week this week. Um, I feel like I've done much better in most of my fantasy leagues. That, that makes it all good. How about you, Rich? How's things gone with you? Yeah, it's um, really well, to be fair. Um, I think my my best week ever in terms of win loss. Um, which didn't you just, say this just, last week? I did. I'm on an incredible run. I'm, you know, touch woods. It continues. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it was really good. I did lose in Scott Fishbowl, which is a bit annoying. But um, but yeah, it's, it seemed to be a good week. I think basically any week, CD Lamb, Dak Prescott have good weeks. Um, it basically means I have good weeks. So uh, so yeah, when those two both ball out, it means I'm I'm, I'm in a pretty good position. Um, but before we dive into the show, uh, keen to remind you that support for the Five Yard Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are best in below the waist men's grooming. Uh, we've still got that exclusive offer. It's twenty percent off and free worldwide shipping with the code Five Yards. Um, it's an incredible product. You've got um, incredible skin safe technology. 
um, ensures that uh, it keeps those family jewels uh, nice and uh, nice and clean, tidy, and uh, and nick free. Um, so Liam, we announced on the podcast last week we had an exciting T-shirt giveaway. We have done the huge, big reveal, big grand draw behind the scenes. Did you want to announce who who the winner was? So um, we had a bunch of entrants join, and unfortunately it can only go to one of them. So it is Anthony Swindon Steam online on Twitter. So Anthony, if you want to DM us, we'll sort out your uh, five-yard t-shirt it would be you could get one like this one or you've got the camo one that i wear um and then there's plenty of others online as well so dm us which one you want and we'll get it sorted for you i think you've uh you've just shown us there Lim, that you clearly missed your calling in life because you were clearly born to be a model by uh by the way that you flashed that t-shirt around there a t-shirt model yeah yeah exactly that yeah the, the, the way you hold it is uh, second to none um there you go. It looks like we're back to a pink one. So cocktail of the week, Liam. It, I'd argue it's more like maroon, kind of like an, a brown kind of colour. No, it's, uh, it's pink. Yeah, anything's pink to you. You could be looking at yellow and it's pink. <laughs> so that is a uh, cherry bakewell. So sticking with a sweet theme. To make it, all you need is amaretto, cherry, cherry cordial, lemon juice, and lemonade. Rich, how much of a fan are you of cherry bakewells? I, I hate to break your heart, but I can't stand cherries. So, yeah, it's it's not for me. I'm afraid this one. Yeah, let's you, move on then, Rich. Yeah, you, you need you need to get back <laughs> to lemon, lemon, apple. Those those are my key flavors. Watermelon. I might have one in store for you next week, then, Rich. There, there we go. As soon as you start talking about melon, cucumber, cherry, I'm out. Cucumber. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those. Let's I, I literally. It's the weirdest thing, and everyone finds it finds it incredibly weird. In that I can I eat everything. I am. I don't eat. I basically am a, a human dustbin when it comes to food. But yeah, cucumber, melon, and cherry. Those are the three things that I can't stand. Anyway, people people aren't tuning in. People aren't tuning in to hear me talk about my random uh, my random food habits. So uh, should we dive into some high scores of the week, Liv? Yeah, let's go. So as usual, it is four-point touchdown for quarterbacks, and it's just normal PPR for all other positions. So starting with the quarterbacks, had Dak Prescott, as Rich said, had a great week. And ended up being the quarterback one. And then we've also got Josh Allen as the QB two and Mac Jones, QB three rookie. Rich, Mac Jones yeah. having an absolute game. Yeah, I I talked about this a bit on the um on the flagship show yesterday. I was I was deputizing for Murph. And I sort of had, had been impressed with Mac Jones. Um, but I think that I'd sort of been grading it on a curve in that. I think all the other rookie QBs had gone into pretty rubbish and challenging situations. And there's Mac Jones, who basically landed in in the dream spot in that he had amazing coaching staff, amazing offensive play caller, great offensive line, solid running game, and some, you know, some average to decent weapons to, to pass the ball to. And I was sort of thinking, you know, he was being managed, he wasn't being asked to do too much, and and I thought, solid. But 
on Sunday, he, he completely blew that out of the water. I think they asked him to do an awful lot more. I think he was throwing guys open, which I hadn't seen. He was completing some very, very impressive, challenging throws across the field and, you know, throwing into tight windows. And I think from an NFL perspective, for me, the, the kind of um, ceiling on the Patriots jumped. And I think if he is showing that now, then I truly believe that that Mac Jones is, you know, going to be the next franchise quarterback for a few years. And, and he suddenly, I don't think, is ever going to have that elite ceiling because he's not got the rushing potential. He's not going to be that kind of gunslinger. But I think that he is now likely to be penciled into that QB2 range for the next however many years. And to me, that that's pretty exciting. I will point out that it was shoddy showmanship from both of us. Um, it didn't look right that our top three scorers for the quarterback position were, uh, at least the QB3 was under 20 points. So I had a quick look and Patrick Mahomes was actually the QB1 this week. <laughs> um, I'll, uh, so I'll, I obviously was a bit premature putting these, not these uh, names in. I will make sure it doesn't happen again, listeners, but Rich... <laughs> Mahomes is back. Yeah, Mahomes is back. It, it was basically just I did it so that I could talk about Mac Jones a bit more. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I again, I, I, I've been saying, haven't I, for the last however many six, seven weeks, I still believe in the Chiefs' offense. I still believe in the Chiefs' offense, and like, I, I, I could have had egg on my face and could have been made to look like a bit of an idiot. But I'm glad that the Chiefs' offense have turned around and and they are back, and and the guys. A, a true stud as such. So let's move on to the updated running back um, top scorers according to our show sheet. So Darrell Williams was the, uh, was the running back once so joining his quarterback there um, at the top of his positional rankings. We also had Ramondre Stevenson, who was confirmed active not too long before the game and um, had an absolute great game. And then my boy, AJ Dillon, um, had an absolute storm of a game, and I enjoyed watching every second. Well, yeah, apart from Aaron Jones getting injured, but we'll skip past that <laughs> part for the moment. I want to. I want to go back and talk briefly about Darrell Williams because I think, first of all, it was incredible to see the Chiefs actually use a running back in the passing game. You know, he had nine targets. People, people of dreaming of uh, of Ch seeing that sort of target volume over the last two C-H. years. Talking about CH, he only saw 10 targets in his four and a half games that he, was, he actually played this year. And 10 targets in four and a half games and Darrell Williams sees nine in one. Yeah. And we we posed the question, didn't we, first week that CH was out injured. You know, Darrell Williams scored more points than CH ever has in a single game in his career so far. Do we think that Darrell Williams can cut into some of the CH workload? And CH is he's just continued to produce whilst uh, sorry, Darrell Williams has just continued to produce while CH has been out. And I think it's it's an interesting one. I'm I'm really excited about what this offense could potentially be, whether they're gonna use some more kind of two back sets, whether we're gonna see essentially a, a, a Darrell Williams or CH use as that third wide receiver where they've not got one. So I think for me, the Royal Williams is a perhaps a once CEH comes back could be a little sneaky buy because I think he's going to have some value. I think he's going to have a role. I don't think he's just going to go back to sitting on the bench. And I think potentially people are 
are going to sour on him and, and look to sell him for anything because they think he's worthless when CEH comes back. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. One person I did want to bring up was Christian McCaffrey. Um, obviously came back last week, uh, before week, tens of week nine, and this week just gone. He had over 150 scrimmage yards, um, nearly 100 yards on the ground on 95. He was the RB4, and that's all without a touchdown on the week. So CMC is truly back. Absolutely. Um, moving on to the wide receivers, though. you got Debo Samuel as the wide receiver one. He's having an absolute great game, uh, great year so far. You've got Stefan Diggs back in the top lineup. Um, I know that's a name that we have been missing for, for a lot of this season. And then Richie's boy, as usual, C.D. Lamb. Um, I think Richard killed me if I didn't mention that while C.D. Lamb's name is in the top three. Well, it's you know, when a guy just keeps producing, it's not my fault that he's always in the top three, is it? It's, yeah. <laughs> I mean... But I think it's... Sorry, I think I think Debo is the most interesting out of these three. I mean, looking at last year, Stefan Diggs, the wide receiver one, and then CD Lamb, everyone's kind of expecting him to have this type of production. Um, whereas Debo, you were probably getting what round seven to ten, probably in somewhere in that range. In that late um, wide receiver two, early wide receiver three range, wasn't he? Yeah. Um I didn't have enough shares of him because, as I said before the season, I didn't know which one of the, the three receiving targets between him, Kittle, and uh, the other wide receiver, Ayuk. I didn't know which one was going to be the, the the one to own. It looks like there's going to be two of them um, <laughs> from, from the way that they threw the ball to Kittle. Um, they as in the 49ers, but Samuel has been absolutely immense. He's shown what he can do in... Um, in open field situations and Carl Shanahan is just getting in the ball, getting the ball in his hands and letting him do his thing. There was a catch um, in the game this week where he caught it on a very short slant, probably about five yards from the line of scrimmage and he took it for 40 plus, I think it was about 30 to 40 yards. It, uh, it just shows what he can do and how speedy he is um, in the open field. Yeah, he's he's a complete unique receiver isn't he in that there's no other receiver Very in much so. that has outside of maybe someone like Rondell Moore has the similar usage in that the A dot is very low the yards after the catch is very high we see you know an incredible conversion rate in terms of A yards to to receiving yards because of that yak potential and also the ability to you know take handoffs and, and get balls out the backfield. He, he you know him getting that handoff for a touchdown killed killed me and all my Elijah Mitchell shares. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was nice to see. That is something as well that I forgot to touch on was he was used in the backfield quite a bit. He was the 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 forty minutes leading rusher going into half time, um, so it is nice to see him being used in a in a first um set anyway. Moving on to the tight end position, Travis Kelsey or Kels, uh, whichever one you want to pronounce it as, um, he is back again, while you're, uh, tight end one, then Hunter Henry with Johnny Smith being inactive this week, and then Mark, Andrew, Mark Andrews rounds out the tight end, top three tight ends. Rich, is there anyone there that you want to 
move on. Um, talk about before we move on. Highlight quickly. I think Travis Kelsey's usage on Sunday well, was was very interesting. You know, I think he's definitely n- not the athlete he was last year, and I think we've seen that he's he's perhaps lost a step. But the Chiefs' ability to basically rather than him fight through kind of press coverage and and you know line him up off the line of scrimmage line him up with the backfield and creative ways to get him the ball I thought was fantastic but the guy I really want to highlight is is Mark Andrews so it's it's I've, I've I was probably a little bit lower than consensus in terms of Mark Andrews but I've now moved him into my tier three for tight ends from dynasty so my tier one is is Travis Kelsey still my tier two is Carl Pitts. And then in tier three, I've got George Kittle, Darren Waller and Mark Andrews. And for me, that's quite a big move because I think, to be honest, straight up, I could I could probably argue Mark Andrews to go over Darren Waller at this stage, which I think, you know, six months ago would have been shocking. But I think I really believe that he's, he's he, you know, he's an elite talent. He's, he's fantastic. And I think that this passing offence with the Ravens is actually going to be better than we hoped. And I think that the only reason he's been dinged and, and not been in that kind of elite tier conversation is because of the low passing volume within the offence. Well, yes, the Ravens are going to improve their offensive line in the offseason. Yes, the Ravens are going to get Dobbins and Gus Edward back. But I don't think the passing volume is just going to go back to what it was last year. I really believe now that Mark Andrews is um, is kind of in that elite tight end conversation for me. He's definitely in the conversation. Um, my my struggle comes with your tears. Um, I know that Pitts is great, but I don't see him as a sole tight end two tier. I believe that it's probably a bit more mixed for me. But that's just picking at picking at uh, just being nitpicky. You're, that's that's what I'm trying to say. You're not allowed. You're not allowed opinions on positions that you don't believe in. So um, we we all take your tight end hey. takes with uh, a pinch of salt. You should see the amount of tight end um, trades that have been sent to me today. <laughs> um, I had to had to talk to someone and say, "Look, you listen to the podcast. You know that I don't like tight ends. This is never going to get done if you keep <laughs> sending me a tight end." So, moving on to the significant news, you've got Aaron Jones um, has been confirmed has a MCL sprain in the game. He did leave the game and didn't come back. Um, he had tears in his eyes on the sideline. He was awful. Um, did open up the way for Dylan, but by looks fit, he's going to be, oh, Aaron Jones is going to be out for a couple of weeks. With the bye coming up, I think that Jones is probably going to be out for two weeks, hit the bye, and then hopefully get healthy after the bye. So that's probably week 14. You've got, moving on, you've got Robert Woods. This was just before the game, or I believe it was Saturday, wasn't it? Um, Robert Woods has an ACL tear, so he's out for the rest of the season. Excuse me. So Alvin Kamara also appeared on the, um, also appeared on the injury report with an MCL sprain. Now, we didn't know what this was before the game. Yeah, it was just a bit of a... Um, a situation crowded him mystery, I suppose, because he didn't, nothing came out, no reports came out before the game. And then all of a sudden he was made inactive. We saw the, the Saints were bringing in running backs, um, but 
we had no idea what it was. By the looks of it, it is an MCL sprain, so out for two to four weeks. That That's going to be a tough one. Um, I know that I was looking at trading for Kamara in a league that I'm contending in uh, just last week, and the deal just didn't get done by a very small margin. Um, and that was mostly down to the injury, so... Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting one, isn't it? I think it it's rare now with all the injury reporting and, you know, Ian Rapport and Adam Schefter and such that that we have an injury decision that we almost don't know about until Sunday. And, you know, yes, he didn't practice all week. There was all sorts of rumours that he was going to be out. And then it was almost sort of Saturday night, wasn't it? Sunday morning, oh, Alvin Kamara's going to be inactive. And, you know, you'd like to think that if it was a knee sprain, if it is this MCL that's, that's being suggested... Why wasn't he? Why wasn't that confirmed, and why wasn't that shut down? You know, at the beginning of the week, um, it's it's a rarity in today's NFL. Um, but as you said, it's it's a huge loss for fantasy. It's a huge loss for a lot of fantasy teams that that were probably pushing for contention. Um, let's just hope that it is you know the lower end of that time scale, as you said, and and he's back for for playoffs to hopefully win some people titles. Yeah, definitely. So. Moving on, again, this was one that kind of popped up out of nowhere. So Chase Claypool has turf toe, um, so that he's probably out for three to four weeks. Again, this was just a bit out of nowhere, just randomly in the week, just popped up. Um, moving on, you've got Cordell Patterson. Now, he's got an ankle sprain. It looks to be high ankle, but I don't think we've got enough information to know um, at this point out for anywhere between two to six weeks. He did try to return to the game, but he was then pulled by the medical staff and wasn't let back in. Rich, considering that the guy went undrafted, this is an awful way to end this. It's an awful way to end anyone's season, but especially for a guy that hasn't really been used properly in the NFL and now isn't with a team that does. It's a massive shame for both fantasy owners and the player itself. Yeah, it's brutal, isn't it? You know, we've been we've been banging the drum for him all season. I I literally bought him on Sunday in a league that I sort of am a fringe contender and wanted wanted an extra piece to kind of solidify my backfield. And yeah, it's, it's tough to see. I'm I'm praying that it's it's a low ankle sprain. It's not that dreaded high ankle sprain. So so that he is back for for the fantasy playoffs. But yeah, if it is that high ankle sprain. It's 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 touch and go, isn't it? He's probably going to be back in a couple of weeks, but he's not going to be back to full fitness this time this year, is he? So, moving on, we've got Dallas Goddard has a concussion. He does have potential of returning this week, but with concussions, it's probably going to be the week after, so next week. You've got Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley, both potentially returning to the game. Uh, Miles Sanders from IR and Saquon Barkley just potentially coming back after getting healthy over the bye. Um, more on the Barkley situation, uh, Devontae Booker, who has been handling the workload while Barkley's been out, um, he could be looking like he's injured. He's been added to the injury report. So hopefully Barkley gets back, Sanders gets back to that rushing, rushing game because I know that Howard also got injured um, for the Philadelphia Eagles during that game. So maybe Sanders comes back and with how that Eagles run game is is going at the moment, Miles Sanders just hits the, the ground running, no pun intended there. Um, and then final bit of 
I suppose actual news. This happened last week. Cam Newton signed with the Panthers after being two years away from them. And he didn't start the game last week, but he's looking to start this week. He did score a touchdown. If you haven't seen the video of him screaming, I'm back at the camera. Um, it was thoroughly enjoyable. So have a look at that. But Cam Newton probably back this week. I have to say, I saw my favourite tweet of the week when I saw the Panthers signed Teddy Bridgewater to be the replacement for Cam Newton. <laughs> they, they, I know, they, tra- they traded for Sam Darnold to be the replacement of the replacement for Cam Newton. They then, PJ Walker stepped in to be the replacement of the replacement of the replacement for, for Cam Newton. And now Cam Newton is the replacement of the replacement of the replacement of the replacement for Cam Newton. Um, yeah, it's, it's good to see him back in the NFL. I think the NFL is a much better place. Um, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to just scream that he's you know a league winner and he's back in that elite tier. I think solid QB two probably the rest of the season if he's going to start the rest of the season. But I I don't think he's going to be more than that. I think you know there's a reason why he he lost the job in New England. There's a reason why the Panthers moved on from him. Yes, hopefully that shoulder is fit, and I think he's going to be exciting to watch and, and fun to be a part of. But I, I, I'm not penciling in as a QB one fancy. Yeah, so I suppose the other bit of news that I failed to mention was Donald was put onto the injured reserve list for the Panthers. So Good. he's looking at a four to six week return. Um, it's going to be this, really- this is what led to the Newton signing, but yeah. The Sam Darnold situation is going to be fascinating because the Panthers are on the hook for him for 18 million next year because they picked up his fifth year option. Why yeah. they did that, I do not know. But it's, you know, are they going to bring in another quarterback and have Sam Darnold as the $18 million backup? Are they going to draft the guy? Are they going to go back to Sam Darnold next year? It's, it's a properly, properly fascinating offseason for the Panthers. Maybe that front office has been looking too closely at the um, Chicago Bears front office with Nick Foles. <laughs> I had to I get that Bears much. digging. Yeah, so, um, final bit of significant news. The bye weeks this week are the LA Rams and the Denver Broncos. So, a lot of fancy lineups, especially contenders, getting hurt with the loss of guys like Stafford, Cup, Henderson. And then, um, I suppose you could say Javante Williams for maybe not contenders. Um but I don't <laughs> think any I don't think anyone really in the Broncos offense is helping people um contend or has been a mainstay of a contender so far. Maybe maybe Noah Fant if you really want to bring up the top he's been, he's been terrible this year. Tim Patrick's been the guy, isn't it? I think I think Jerry Judy's gonna be a stud for the rest of the season. I think Jerry Judy for me is my uh is my must buy. I think he's he's taken over the offense. I, I discussed it on the uh, the flagship show yesterday, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. But uh, but yeah, I very much love him. Um, so diving into the dynasty stock market, then Liam, the big risers on the week. So the first one you talked about at the beginning of the show in in the the, the kind of highest scores for the week, Ramon J Stevenson, uh, Damian Harrison was out with the concussion. Ramon J Stevenson cleared the concussion protocol very late on Sunday. Um, and just had an absolute field day, wasn't it? Um, a, a very interesting prospect profile coming out as a rookie this year. You know, a, a huge 6'2", 240 back, and an interesting 
receiving game usage as well. He, he's got all the tools to be hugely fancy relevant. Do you think that he can continue this? We're seeing Damien Harris is going to be back this week. He, he would have practised yesterday. He's expected to practise today. Do you think Stevenson's got a role for the rest of the season? It's got a role. I don't think it's going to be anywhere what it was like um, on Sunday. I think with Stevenson, he's an interesting kind of candidate because he reminds me so much of Damien Harris from just a situational point of view. The profiles are obviously different. Their roles are going to be completely different as well. But I think Stevenson, for, for me, just resembles what Damien Harris was like. He might take a year or two to fully get a role and show that he's going to be a mainstay in that backfield, but he's never going to be someone that is going to get a, a full workload without injury. Um, quite like what Damien Harris has been like throughout his career so far. I think it'll be interesting to see if Stevenson can kind of solidify that passing game usage as we saw in college, as we've seen a couple of times, and become the complement to Damien Harris and hopefully push Brandon Bolden, you know, out the door back to his special teams role. And and you see a true 1A, 1B in this backfield. Both guys could be fancy relevant. I think the problem at the moment is that Damien Harris is fancy relevant, but there's so many, you know, there's JJ Taylor's popping up every now and then when he's not inactive. You've got Brandon Bolden getting some of the receiving game usage, then Ramondre Stevenson. And they're sort of cannibalising each other. If, if it can just settle down into a two-true back, two-back backfield, um, hopefully it could, could work out for both of them. Um, and then the, the the big riser, the wide receiver, as you said, he was he was the wide receiver one last year. He was an absolute stud. Um, it's Stefan Diggs. Um, we've seen the Bills struggle against that too high shell. We've seen Stefan Diggs not have the you know elite volume. Cole Beasley was leading the team in receptions before Sunday. Um, for some reason, the Jets decided to not not play much of the too too high shell. That's Everyone's been uh, been running against the Bills to good effect, but do you think that Stefan Diggs is now back into that kind of elite top five pencil in wide receiver one for the rest of the year? Um, no, okay. no, I don't. Um, so it's good to see him back, but I do think, and I'm trying not to bash your Jets, Rich, but I do think it was against the Jets, obviously. Um, so we may need to tone it down a little bit. Don't get me wrong, I do think that he can be a wide receiver one for the rest of the, the rest of the year. I just don't think that... I suppose my concern is he did it against a really bad defence. Again, sorry, Rich. Um, but... You don't have to apologise. It gets a terrible life. I, I, I get that, Liam. My my issue is I've beat up on you so much with the Jets that I, I feel bad after a while. You get used to um, it after twenty odd years of being a Jets fan as well. But yeah, I I think with Diggs he did it against a bad defense. Fingers crossed he can keep it up for the rest of the year against whatever defense he shows. Um, but it's not just him in the offense. I think Josh Allen has been poor against, as you said, the two high shell. Um, so if teams do get back to running the two high shell, I'm a little bit worried about that whole offense and what it shows for them. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing is, is that Cole Beasley's potentially injured, you know, Stefan Diggs had a 40, 45% target share. I think it was on Sunday. 
yes, that's not sustainable. But if he can get back to that 25, potentially pushing 30% target share, if Cole Beasley's going to be out, you know, it's one less mouth to feed in that offence. I, I do think that Sunday, part of Sunday was that kind of squeaky wheel game where the Bills hadn't got Stephon Diggs going all year. If they want to be the elite offence, I think Stephon Diggs needs to be producing. And, and we've seen through his time with the Vikings that he can be a little bit of a diva. And I think he, you know, he he wants to be, you know, fed the ball and he, he wants to be the kind of centrepiece. So I do think personally that they're going to keep feeding him. And I think that he's, for me, he's back in that, you know, perhaps not top tier, but certainly the second tier of receivers moving forward. Um, the Fallers. So, um, so the first one, Cam's back. Everybody's excited about the Panthers' offense, but DJ Moore. Look, the guy. The guy is elite. The guy is incredible. He does everything you could ever want from a receiver, but he just can't seem to produce consistency from a wide receiver standpoint. A lot of that's due to the fact that he's catching passes from some truly shocking quarterbacks. Do you think Cam will kind of help? Do you think Cam will hinder? And what do you think for DJ Moore rest of season? I think my issue with DJ Moore is I've always been um, lower on him than consensus. I've never seen him as a, a truly top elite dynasty asset. Um, I do think that he can be a fringe or wide receiver one. That's probably where I'd have him uh, in my dynasty rankings. But my my biggest issue is I've never seen him at consensus level. So I've got no shares of him to really see or have the exposure to what he scores on a week-in, week-out basis. I think Cam is going to change the offense, but I have no idea what it's going to be like. Hopefully, DJ. I I don't expect anyone else other than DJ Moore to be the wide receiver one there. Robbie Anderson's not going to come back and and become the wide receiver one there and and suddenly start catching balls from Cam. Yes, Donald was not as good at throwing the ball than um, other quarterbacks. I'll just put it that way. Um, but bringing up my favorite stat of last year, as you kept saying to me every time I brought, brought it up, Rich. If Bridgewater can support three top 25 wide receivers, why didn't Darnold support more than one? That, that's my biggest concern. Yes, there was no Christian McCaffrey, but how much has Christian McCaffrey played this year? I think Cam well, I will think... come in and help with that, but I still don't think there'll be three top 25. I think you'll probably be looking at maybe three top 36. Well, I don't think, because I think Terrace Marshall... Maybe he was he was a preseason hate, and uh, I still don't think he's uh, he's ever going to be fancy relevant personal. But that's uh, that's another question for another day. Um, I think that look, Cam Newton is better for DJ Moore than PJ Walker, and to be honest, I kind of think Cam Newton's probably better for DJ Moore than Sam Darnold. So yes, I don't think Cam Newton's going to you know prop up three top twenty five receivers, but I wouldn't be shocked if he can prop up perhaps a, you know, a fringe top 12 in DJ Moore. We've seen, obviously, Robbie Anderson absolutely hate Sam Donald because, you know, he was seen screaming at him on the pitch. And then you see, he was like a completely different person. It's like he's suddenly so much happier because he's not having to try and catch passes from Sam Donald. Um, but yeah, I, I, I believe that, 
DJ Moore, the talent will shine through. But I do think until he gets a competent quarterback, it, it kind of caps his ceiling a little bit. Um, and then the final faller of the week is Cortland Sutton. Um, so it's now it's now a two-week trend. Um, Cortland Sutton's starting to potentially get phased out of this offense. Um, so we've seen since Jerry Judy came back the last two weeks, um, Jerry Judy has seen eight and nine targets. Tim Patrick has seen five, six targets. And uh, Cortland Sutton has seen two and three. Um, he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's not a great fit for a Teddy Bridgewater-led offense. Do you think that his time in Denver is is done and, and that's sort of it? What what do you think? What do, what are you doing with Sutton as a dynasty perspective? Um, I think he's actually for for someone that's trying to contend. I think he or someone that's trying to rebuild. I think he's great to try and grab off a contender and try and switch out with a with a a piece that is going to help a contender um, get to the playoffs. Basically, with Sutton, you you can start to see the the writing on the wall for him. In my opinion, anyway. Yeah, the, the past four weeks, uh, the past three weeks, he hasn't had more than four targets. Yes, one of those weeks was when they played awfully against the Washington football team, and Jerry Judy also had four targets. Tim Patrick had three. But I think with Sutton, he's a good buy low candidate, in my opinion, dependent on the price. I know that I've got him in a couple of leagues and I keep getting second sent to me. I'm like, I'm not sending sending him away for a second right now. Um I, because I know people are trying to capitalize, but it, it is the the name of the game. Buy low, sell high. And I think Sutton, if you can get him for lower than what what most people would expect next season, potentially just when the the free agency um when free agency hits, you could probably sell Sutton for more than you'd pay for him right now, just based on the hype rather than any production. Yeah. I think it's a risk reward play, isn't it? Because I think Definitely. The, the way it's it's looking is that Sutton's not going to be in Denver long term. So, you know, we could see Cortland Sutton go and land in a, a dream spot with an elite QB. You know, could he go to Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence and and be the wide receiver one there? Or he could end up being this year's Corey Davis, where you know he goes to a poor offense that's that's got a you know a, 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 a non-elite quarterback, um, and he sort of disappears from fancy relevancy. You know, could he be this year's Kenny Golladay or something like that? Um, and that's the game, isn't it? That you're playing. He could he could absolutely blow up in value in free agency, or he could essentially not move at all. So. For me, I've I've just sold one share of him today. Um, I'm I'm not really a huge believer um, moving forward. So, <laughs> so, uh, so stars of the week, Liam. Did you do you want to go first? You're all hyped up. You're uh, you're ready to talk about your your boy, Miss Mr. Thunder Thighs himself, the Quadzilla. Yes. Um, so AJ Dillon, we've spoken about him on the pod before. Uh, was it last we've, week, the week before? We've spoken about him every opportunity you can get. Let's not hide from that. I mean, why not? Like, he, he's shown that he has the flashes and he's shown that he can do it with a full workload. 
this game, yes, he got into the situation because of an injury to, to Aaron Jones, but he was still looking good dur- during the game with Aaron Jones in the game. So the, his stat line isn't amazing from a rushing point of view. 21 attempts for 66 yards. He did have two touchdowns. One of them, he did get a little bit of a push from uh, Billy Turner at the right tackle. But, yeah, but apart from that, like he did really well on the ground. There were only two plays I, I can remember um, from this season alone that Dylan actually got stopped in his tracks, and that was in this game. Um, and both times he got pushed forward by a defensive linesman to get there. There was one... Um, and I'm talking more real football at the moment, but there's one play where it's a third and one um, that we needed to get the first down. And Dylan got hit two yards before, behind the line of scrimmage, somehow still plodded forward and got like a three-yard gain. It was an immense play. But more from a fantasy point of view, the bit of the stat line that I haven't said yet is he had two for two um in the, in the receiving games, two targets for two receptions. But he had 62 yards. One of them came on a, an extremely long, I think it was about a 50-yard play. But that just shows that he can do it in the pass game as well. And with no Aaron Jones, I think he will be used more in that role. Um, the only other running back we currently have on our roster as the Packers is Patrick Taylor, who is kind of a, a mini A.J. Dillon. Um, he, he's the same type of runner, he's the, so by, the same type of build. So, by mini AJ Dillon, does that just make him a normal human being? <laughs> I mean, AJ Dillon is the biggest uh running back in the league at 247 pounds. So, um, I think anyone is just a, a little AJ Dillon if you're going to go by those rules, <laughs> but, but yeah, um, he, he, I, I said. Last week, he's a great buy. Um, he, he can do it with a full load. The one thing I do want to see from Dylan is whether he can do it in warmer weather. The only two times he's really had um, a full rushing uh, workload were against the Titans last year and then the last game where it was snowing and it was freezing cold um, in Lambeau Field. So... If we see AJ Dillon do it in the warmth, I'm paying the first for him. But that's probably my Packers fandom getting in the way. So this is this is the first time I think I've ever heard it. It's, it's not can he do it on a rainy Tuesday in Stoke? It's can he do it on a sunny Sunday in uh, in Tampa or something? My 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 thought process there though is he's a back that's over six foot. He's two hundred and forty-seven pounds, as I've said. If you're playing in freezing cold weather, you, oh, half it. the time you don't want. If you're a keeper in in English football, you're, you're looking at a football coming in. Yes, you're going to save it, but you, you're already thinking about your hands stinging afterwards. Like <laughs> you, you, you're already thinking about that. Imagine having to look at this running back that runs really quickly for a 250 pound back, and knowing that he's like... just muscle. Just, this is why I played corner and wide receiver. I didn't have the time. <laughs> I um, just hope you weren't a slot corner going against AJ. Didn't then? No. Um, I think the the thing that's impressed me most in terms of from a t- statistical standpoint from Sunday is that he averaged three point one yards a carry. Yes, okay, fair enough. But he averaged two point eight 
yards after contact per attempt. So he was averaging 0.4 yards before contact per attempt, which basically is he's getting hit at the line of scrimmage on average every play, which which is ridiculous. Um, I think that's that's perhaps slightly on him as much as it is on the, you know the Packers offense line. I do think that there is a talent to not getting hit in the, hit in the backfield, and I think that that's perhaps an area of his weakness. My issue with calling him a massive buy is that I don't think Aaron Jones is going anywhere. I think that I think that Aaron Jones is a more complete back that brings more to the table. And I I love AJ Dillon. I think I agree with everything you're saying, but I don't think over this the rest of this season and next year he's ever going to be anything more than a one B. Yes. And that's so me saying I'll pay a first for him is my Packers fandom getting away from me <laughs> because right now he's not the time you want to buy. It is a, a this is buying high. Um, if you bought him last week, then perfect. You did what I was ranting about for the whole season um, because I thought that he was one of those type of backups where he, he's kind of like a Tony Pollard in that tier of backup that can become a running back one with an injury. I think Dylan specifically, we just need to, or I need to call the Jets a little bit because my, my height train's getting a little, too, little bit too much. I do yeah. enjoy AJ Dylan. I don't think right now is the time to buy. Maybe when AJ, uh, yeah. when Aaron Jones comes back, then is the time to buy because everyone's thinking, oh, Aaron Jones is coming back. He, he's, AJ Dylan's workload is going to come down. And that's before people start to think, oh, wait, after next season, uh, when, when people start looking in the off-season at contracts and stuff, oh, Aaron Jones is probably out of the building after next off-season. Yeah. So oh, I agree. maybe I agree. between Aaron Jones coming back from the potentially after the bye week 14 to um, before free agency next year or in the off-season in February, March time, Think that was probably your window to buy, but anyway, enough about AJ Dillon. I probably took over 10 minutes of the show there, Rich. Standard. Let's move on to yours before we dive into mine. Um, breaking news on the pod Elijah Mitchell has fra- has a fractured finger and is undergoing surgery today. Um, so they're hopeful that he's going to play week 11, but it could be that he's out for, uh, for a week or two, um, which could be. Jeff Wilson time potentially, but uh, but yeah, certainly certainly one to to monitor over the next forty eight hours or so. Um, but my star of the week, um, so it's George Kittle. Um, you know, we've we've seen now when he's healthy, when he's on the field, he is absolutely elite. He had um, five five receptions, fifty yards, and a touchdown. But I think the under the radar thing, he had a thirty six point eight percent target share. He led the, the team in terms of targets. Um, I think, look, the, the guy is an incredible talent. The guy is a stud for fantasy. The big question is injuries. I think if you could guarantee that he was healthy and, and you know, never going to get injured again, then I think he's absolutely in that tight end one conversation. Um, but it, it's just a case of, how long is he going to stay healthy, isn't it? What What do you think? Do you think he can stay healthy, Lou? I do. I do think he can stay healthy. Um, my biggest concern is 
you put on the show sheet is either Dynasty Titan one. Um, I know that's more of a little poke and a bit of a bit of a fun conversation to have, but my issue with having him so highly at the moment is we have no idea what Lance's offense is going to be like next year. Um, I do think Lance takes over next year. So do we see a rise to the wide receivers rather than tight end? I, I'm just a bit sceptical there going into next year. For the rest of this year, I'm all in. If, you, if you're a contender, he's probably the lowest of the, of the top lot. Maybe Mark Andrews, his uh, price is a little bit lower. Um, but pro- price-wise, I think Kittle and, and probably the most reasonably priced. Um, but if you're looking into next year, I think I'm a little bit more sceptical. Yeah, I think I'm I'm a believer. I just think of that Shanahan offense with that Shanahan scheme. He he's happy scheming the ball into his star players, and I think Kittle is one of them. Um, I think it doesn't matter who's the inner quarterback, Kittle's gonna get get fed the ball. You know, it doesn't matter what type of quarterback you are, you want to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. And I just think that for me, yeah, I'm, you know, as I said earlier, I still want Kelsey, I still want Kyle Pitts over him, but He's in that tier with Mark Andrews and Darren Waller for me, and and he's probably at the top of that tier. Um, so the deep dive player of the week, and it, I've I've put this show sheet together, Liam, purely just to spite you. I wanted to have as much tight end talk as possible. So uh, so the deep dive player of the week is going to be Dan Arnold. So he saw seven targets, had five receptions for sixty seven yards. He also caught a two point conversion. Um. It's, it's under the radar sort of deep dive because basically I think he's entered that startable tight end every week conversation. Um, he's been over 10 points for the last five weeks. Since he was traded to the Jaguars, he is the tight end eight in fantasy. Um, yes, I don't think he's ever going to you know break into that kind of top elite tier, but he's, he's kind of got sneaky, solid watch tight end production um you know yes we all know Liam you don't like tight ends but do you think Dan Arnold could be a you know a, a cheap tight end to acquire to to be able to sort of see you through for the rest of the year right we need to set the record straight here I, I go along with your joke of not liking tight ends uh, <laughs> but it's not tight ends the position I don't like it's tight end premium the scoring format that I don't like. So you're worried now that the tight ends are going to come after let, you, aren't you? So. Let's just clarify, I love tight ends. I hate um I hate watching their film because they are probably the hardest position that I can try and look at from a fantasy perspective. But more on Dan Arnold specifically, he he's a name that I've been tracking for about three to four weeks now. And since he got traded to the Jags, I was quite interested in how they were going to use him because not a lot of people realized how much James O'Shaughnessy was actually being used, who was the Jags tight end one. Um, And even though it wasn't translating too much into fantasy points, I think that just comes down to the talent there rather than, than anything else. Now that they have Dan Arnold, that has really shown that now that they've got the, the the talent at the tight end position, they are willing to use it and they are going to use it. So um, I absolutely love this pick. I saw you put him into the show sheet and I was glad that you put him in because I wanted to try and sneak him in somewhere. Um, and then I saw the amount of tight ends that you put in, so I had to, I had to lay off a little bit. 
I think he's, you know, he's he's fantastic. But I think the the biggest kind of benefit you can get at the wide receiver, at the tight end position is if you're basically playing a wide receiver at tight end from a fantasy perspective. You know, we see it with Mike Sicky all this year. Okay, yes, not this week, but he's a guy that's playing 85% of his snaps as a wide receiver. And that's kind of what you get in Dan Arnold. You know, so far, so last, last Sunday, see, he played 45 snaps, 30 of them were in the slot. Four of them he was out wide, and eleven of them he was as an inline blocker. This is a guy that's playing, you know, two thirds, seventy percent of his snaps as a wide receiver. Um, it's 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 an interesting usage, um, and I, I really do think that people haven't caught up to him being that sort of tight end one because he's he's not caught a couple of touchdowns. I do think that had he, you know, he caught a two point conversion. If that's a touchdown on Sunday. He's suddenly in that, you know, top five on the week, and and we're talking about Dan Arnold as, you know, suddenly a a, a a kind of a top five, top six tight end on the week, and and a guy that his price has probably doubled. I think you can probably go and buy him still pretty cheap. You know, I've got him valued around a kind of a late second in a tight end premium league, probably a third in a standard league. I'd be I very surprised if you were spending a late second on him. Yeah, I think you can. I don't even think necessarily guys at that level. It's difficult to buy for picks because you know who who really wants a third round pick. But I think that if you can get him as a throw-in in perhaps a slightly bigger trade, I think that's a good move because I do think that he's he's carving out a nice little role for himself. Definitely. Um, so, Rich, moving on. I know that we had a look at doing spotlight of the player this week and kind of decided not to because of the the importance of this week. So for those of you that don't know, um, your trade deadline's probably coming up, if not past last week. So make sure you check it, make sure you check when it's going to be. Um, But last ditch rebuild targets, Rich. I want to know who you want to, if you're rebuilding, who you want to, and try it and go and get before the trade deadline hits and before contenders go into that playoff bracket. Yeah, so I think, first of all, before we dive into that, I just want to have a little rant in that I hate trade deadlines. I don't understand it. We played Dynasty all year round. Every, everybody, you know, agrees that, you know, trades are, are there to be made. You've got rebuilding teams. You've got playoff teams. I don't get why there's a trade deadline. Everyone will go, oh, but what happens if a team that's out of the playoffs trades all their studs to to a team that's winning? Fine. If the team that's contending is willing to mortgage their future and pay all their draft picks, all their young players to try and win a title now, fine. I'm, I'm absolutely fine with that. It means that the team that's not in the playoffs is rebuilding, which is what we all want. I just, I, I don't get trade deadlines I, in dynasty leagues. I, I just don't understand it. I will, I will die on that hill, and I will never ever understand it. I agree with you. I think the, the only reason I can ever accept is because the NFL does it, and I know a lot of people do like to mirror their leagues to the NFL. I'm not saying that I agree with doing it, but I can understand why that they do it. The NFL. Um, I know that you're shaking your head. Fifty-three man rosters in the NFL. They they start twenty-two guys plus special teams. Does that mean we're gonna you know mirror that and have full mm-hmm. IP? 
if you want to play in a offensive line and assign them points or if you really want to rich you do whatever you want it's ridiculous it's ridiculous get rid of trade deadlines they're stupid um but yeah what what i wanted to talk about was basically i think look we we can sit here and you know go through the old cliches and the adage of you know if you're contending go out and buy win now players if you're rebuilding sell your Asian veterans for draft picks and young players and everybody knows that but i think because everybody knows that the prices of those players sort of go up because that you know adam thielen is going up in price because he's pretty much the most obvious sell now wide receiver if you're not contender um so what I like to do at this time of year is look at a few guys that I think are undervalued that could potentially see an uptick in value next year. Because I think that whilst rebuild teams, yes, go out and get your draft picks, but actually you probably need to be a little bit more aggressive. You probably need to kind of up that risk profile to help you rebuild. Because if you're not contending yes, you can just go and get draft picks, but it might take you a little while. So I, if I'm rebuilding, I like being really aggressive with the moves I'm making. So the first two that I think are worth noting um, is Calvin Ridley and Deshaun Watson. And I realised that they are hugely risky in terms of going out and buying them from a dynasty perspective. Um, but I really believe that both guys are going to play in the NFL again. Yes, you know, we're not going to get into the Sean Watson situation. It is despicable. But I believe both guys are going to play in the NFL. And I believe when they do, they are elite players at their position. Yes, I'm not paying face value. You know, I'm not paying three first for Deshaun Watson. I'm probably not paying a first for Calvin Ridley. But if I can go and attack them on a contending roster, and, you know, if I can move um, Adam Phelan plus maybe a second or, or another player for Calvin Ridley, I'm absolutely doing that. If I can go and move uh, Matthew Stafford for for Deshaun Watson, or if I can move a Jalen Hurts or, you know, even like a Tom Brady for Deshaun Watson, that's absolutely a move I'm doing. Yes, it's risky, but I think that as a rebuilding team, if you're not taking risks, you're just going to kind of, end up on that churn of mediocrity i think you need to raise your risk profile whenever you're you're rebuilding slightly i think what you're mostly talking about rich is uh, a potentially a one-year rebuild is where you need to take the risks so there's multiple ways you can rebuild so the main one that people will go for is probably a, a multiple year rebuild where they try to accumulate draft picks over the coming seasons and try and hit on the draft picks and so on and so on. The, the thing with doing that is it takes, obviously it takes a couple of seasons, but your draft pick values really are pretty um, standard. In, they don't really move in value um, or, they, or they don't fluctuate in value. Your draft picks will... so. 2022 draft picks, for example, will go from the start of the season as, yes, it's a first rounder, but it's after the season to this point of the season where you're probably already thinking about it. And then max value is just before the draft. And then the whole cycle goes again for 2022, uh, 2023, 2024, and so on. What you're probably more talking about is a one year rebuild, probably more like a retooling exercise where you want to try and take those risks to get a win now situation earlier on 
And yeah. Deshaun Watson, before this news, was all about a top five quarterback at dynasty level. Before the news came out, that's what it was. Now people don't really know what to do with him. And yes, allegedly what he has done is despicable. We we don't have enough information. Yes, where there's smoke, there's normally fire, but we don't have the information at the moment, and that's why it's risk. Um, but if you're not taking risks in a rebuild, in my opinion, then or at least in a one-year rebuild, then you're not going to get anywhere, as you said. Um, I do like the moves that you suggested. Staying on the quarterback position, though, Rich, a guy that we've already spoken about in the past couple of weeks, Jordan Love, I know we both like as a rebuild buy right now. Um, I think especially after the performance and now that Rogers is back in the lineup, this is probably a great time to buy him because people are uh, probably getting back into the mindset Rogers is going to start for the next few weeks and then probably not thinking too much into next year at this moment in time. So Jordan Love, I think, is a great buy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, we, we feels like we talked him to death, doesn't it? But I think he's he's a great target to go. I think go, going back to the the one year, you know, two year rebuild, I, I don't really believe in rebuilds being longer than a year. I think that if you're just, if you're looking at a two year rebuild, I think basically what you're doing is you're saying, I'm going to accumulate draft picks and I'm going to try and hit on those draft picks. Well, so are 11 other guys in your league. Like, I think that for me, I don't try to view draft picks as draft picks. I try to view them as essentially movable capital. And I think that, yes, yeah, great to go and accumulate draft picks, but I would rather try and spin those draft picks into either higher draft picks when it comes to the draft or players. And I think that I'm not viewing it as this is a draft pick. You know, if I trade for a 2023 first rounder, I'm not viewing that as, oh, I can go and get Kashan Butte or, you know, I'm going to go and get Bijan Robinson. I'm viewing that as I'm probably moving that draft pick in the next 12, 13, 14, 15 weeks because that's what I like to do. I'm, I'm, I'm churning because I think that if I'm winning every trade, I'm accumulating a little bit more value and it's boosting the roster value overall. And that's how I'm looking to rebuild. I'm not just going to sit back and have go, right, I've got five 2023 first rounders. Right, I'm going to tank next year and and I'll, I'll be a contender in 2024. Because I think for me, that's just pointless. I think that any any roster, any situation, I think you can turn around in a year and become a contender. I honestly believe that. I think we need to put that to... Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's a that's a passionate little rant from me. Uh, I, I think we need to put that to uh, to the test next season then, Rich. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, but a couple of other rebuild targets I just wanted to highlight before we finish, Liam. Um, Michael Gallup, Tim Patrick, um, both, you know, wide receiver threes on their team, both kind of struggling behind some studs in terms of target volume. But both three agents. Could we see Tim Patrick resigned in Denver as the wide receiver too? Could we see him land in, you know, a potentially a better situation? Michael Gallup, he was an absolute Twitter darling after his rookie year. Then they drafted CD Lamb and uh, and he sort of fallen down the pecking order. I, I really believe Michael Gallup is an elite talent. And I think that if he can get, you know, a larger slice of the pie in, in, a, in another good offense, I think he could be a, a nice little buy from a dynasty perspective. Yeah, I, I love Gallup being on this list. I think Tim Patrick is a, a low-risk 
uh, medium reward. I think with Gallup, you've got the potential of top 24 wide receiver um, on a on a team that where he's going to get the better tar- or more targets. So I, I absolutely love Gallup. So, dynasty listener questions. Have, have we got a couple this week? Yeah, so we've got a couple, mostly from our guys at the um, Fancy Wild Card. So, quickly, uh, quick fire round, Rich. Kev asks, Acres, Dobbins, or Etienne? We've been through this before. I'm personally going Dobbins. Who are you going with? I've got Etienne and Dobbins back to back. They're in the same tier. I've got Etienne ahead, but to be honest, it's flipping for coin. Um, and then I've got Acres third by a, a decent margin. Um, it's just that injury really worries me. Um, that's the reason he's slightly lower. So I'm pretty sure this one is just to guess on a rant, but as we're <laughs> running out of time, he's not going to to see that come to fruition. Um, is the Javante Williams hype getting too far? Yes. No, it's not. No, yes, it's it not, is. Kev. No, it's not. <laughs> Moving on, Ali has asked... Um, which player so Kev, in Dynasty? On, before you ask that, so Kev is at Dynasty underscore Goat on Twitter and Ali is at FF Dynasty Group. See, I was just going to do that at the end and shout out <laughs> Matt at the same time, but now you've done that, it just messes everything up. Matt doesn't deserve a shout. He didn't ask us a question. <laughs> oh, I'll let you bring that up to him. So, um, so Ali then asks, which player in Dynasty has risen most in your rankings over the first half of this season? So... Um, I think Cordero Patterson officially because uh, he wasn't in my rankings at the start of the season, <laughs> uh, to be honest. But yeah, he shot up. Um, I think Cooper Cup has obviously yeah. blown up. Um, and then I'm trying to think who else has, has risen significantly. Um, Debo and Holly, Hollywood. Yeah, Brown for me. Debo's risen, Hollywood. Um, and then Javante Williams. Um, you know, he's gone from a running back sort of. He was in that back end RB two, high end RB three range for me at the beginning of the season. He's now my RB twelve. So um, so yeah, he's he's certainly shot quite a bit. He's not shot up too much for me because I was already high on it's him beforehand. Hard, so. Can't go any higher than RB one, can you, Liam? So <laughs> no, that's AJ Dylan. Come on, oh, okay. So I've got to be on brand yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, thank thank you very much for listening, guys. Thank you for tuning in uh, live on the live stream. Um, I just want to say, if, if you're you know you're not checking out the rest of the the five yard crew, um, you're missing out. There is some absolutely fantastic content being produced, whether it be you know stocks and ash on on the the college pod and and all the college writers, um, Jordan and and Jack and and Jake, um, whether it be Brennan and Nathan on the IDP show. Um, obviously Murph and Dan, you know, locking it down on on the flagship show. Um, and then the DFS guys are, are absolutely tearing it up at the moment. And they're doing some fantastic work with fan team. Um, and also what I'd say, two of my favourite articles that I read on a weekly basis, Rob and Pitsy, um, very well researched, very well written. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough of, of the rest of the 5 year team because everybody's putting out some fantastic content. And as Rich has managed to forget our two um, article writers at Five Yard Dynasty ourselves, uh, Dynasty Dan One on Twitter and uh, Lewis Wood FF, I believe is his Twitter um, username. So check those out. They release articles every week for us as well. So they can't forget those. But yeah, anyone in the Five Yard family is great, great to uh, listen to or read. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys, and we will see you again next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.